<laughs> yep. Here we are. Yep. Here we oh, are. Oh, hey. What are you guys doing here? Oh, hey. What's going on? Sounds like somebody just showed up just as we hit record. <laughs> the dogs are all barking. It's probably the mailman. Oh, really? Um, you guys got anything to start with? Um, why do people hate pocket holes so much? They're so passionate about know. it's so it's it, it it hurts a little bit. I do feel I do feel like the amount of hate or like the the level of hate towards pocket holes is is kind of out of whack. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, it's it's so ridiculous. It's, it's like I think it's guys high. I honestly think guys that that, that hate on pocket holes are like wannabe professional woodworkers like so bad that they they need to take a swipe at something else. You know what I mean? Hmm. Guys don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, I'm just taking it in. Yeah, like uh, I, I built this table, and the best way for me to to build the base was all pocket holes. And and there's comments of like, oh, that's a great starter table, or um, you're not bettering yourself. You should be mortising and tending everything together. I'm like, I want to. I want to eat off this table. I don't want to make the table for the next three years. You know. Uh there's a time yeah. and place for everything. It, it, it's a, I'm, and I know it doesn't help when I comment about pocket holes or whatever on Twitter. And I, so I've, I've kind of held that back. But people are really, really passionate against using pocket holes. I, I really wonder why that is. I mean, I, I hear your explanation, Jimmy. Maybe that's the case. But like, it seems weird to be passionately against a utilitarian yes. thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, if if you don't want to do it, if you don't want to do it, like, th- go for it. That's fine. You don't have to use them. <laughs> but that's just like me being like, you know what? Morrison Tenens, totally unreasonable. <laughs> it's too hard. I'm not going to do it ever. It's the worst idea because it takes so much time. It's like that kind of, yeah. you know, I probably won't do many of them because it does take time. And that's my reasoning. But that doesn't mean that I'm against them. I'm just not going to do it because it's not my thing. But... I don't know. Strange. Yeah. But I guess some people are just just don't like stuff and they want to let everybody else know that they don't like it. Mm-hmm. I suppose. I suppose. I don't know. I suppose. I'm going to keep doing them. Yeah. Why not? What's going on? You guys been Your doors are done, right? Jimmy? My well, the doors are up and they're I got hardware on one side. And again, the, I just wrote the description while we were hanging out in the beginning. Uh the hardware is sort of my starter hardware because I'm gonna. It's gonna evolve. Uh, I want to do something that's interesting. Maybe some parts from the flea market or parts from old tools to really amp it up. But <clears throat> just to get the the doors closed and to understand how the hardware goes. That's why I made the hardware out of just kind of scrap metal laying around. But the doors are up. They still need to be insulated. I need to make all the hardware for the other side. I just had to close the video out so I can deliver the video this morning. But yeah, they're up and God, this such a, a tremendous weight is off my shoulders, literally, because I was thinking about those doors for the last month and how I was going to accomplish them. I knew it was a video for Lincoln. So I was just trying to think of how am I going to do these successfully? I was talking to JD. We were sending sketches back and forth. And, and I was like, well, just come and we'll figure it out. He came here on last Sunday and got here in the afternoon and we immediately started. We worked all day Sunday worked all day Monday, all day Tuesday, and right up until like three minutes before we got in the car to drive him to the airplane. And those, the, if you see the video, when you get a chance to see the video, when we pushed the doors open and we hugged, we literally like walked away from that and went right to the airplane. So he was a <laughs> tremendous help. He was, it couldn't happen without him. And uh, I, I, JD, when you're listening, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So I'm curious there, did you, hmm, how do I ask this? Um, could it not happen because he had a skill set that you didn't have or because it was physically too large for one person to manage or like a little of both, definitely a little of both. Like, uh, he, the way he picked up the doors were, and moved heavy things around again, you just, it's hard to imagine what you haven't encountered until you haven't encountered it and you go, Hmm, how am I going to do that? And because I know he's a heavy equipment welder, I know that there's so many subtle things. I can't even ask him to quantify it. It's just, it's like, oh, that's how we would do that. And that's the type of decision you make right when you're there on the spot. You can't sit and think, okay, these are the things we're going to do. You could 
probably lay out maybe 75% of them, but it's that other 25% of the subtleties of just day-to-day experience. And my experience combined with his experience, I knew we'd get a really good, a good result. And I was still nervous because we didn't, there's a few unknowns. The weight of these doors hanging off of just two hinge pins, will that be enough? Will the doors droop? Uh, there's a funny part in the video, which is also on Instagram, where he and I are both swinging on the very first door. And we look like when Bugs Bunny becomes like the door swings because there's nothing in the frame. But we're both just standing on the frame. I'm swinging and he's swinging. And just checking out to see if there's any deflection in the frame. And there's none. And I filled the frame with, you know, maybe 100 or 200 pounds worth of wood. No deflection. And uh, I do, I will add cross bracing ultimately. There's a lot that needs to happen to the doors by the end of the video. Like the wood is just held in place with a couple of clips. I plan on having weld all around it, which just would have taken too long. It would have been monotonous to watch in the video. So by the end of the video, the wood is held in place with a few clips. But yesterday and the day before, I spent the whole day welding strips all around it and preparing a more of a weather seal. In the video, you could see light through all the doors, but there'll be a weather seal around the whole door itself and all that stuff. That's all the boring stuff, which would have taken a lot of camera time for not a big, big visual result. So I just forewent all that and just went straight for the doors are up. And this is how they lock. Drone shot. Cut. But hmm. we worked in the heat and the rain and... I'm just starting to get my comments from Lincoln right now. They're like, hmm, welding in the rain? Hmm, welding with short sleeves? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we had no choices. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully they'll be okay with some of these. Uh, you know, that's the way every dirty welds, you know. It's the way people do it. I've started, yeah. I had to do some metalworking stuff in the last week or so. And I've been in shorts and t-shirts because it's hot. And That's what I'm like, saying. I just said it's 90 degrees. I got to do a couple welds. I go do it, man. And uh, the jackets they said have hurt, leather that's, sleeves. That's on me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, you, I don't know. You can't just go, oh, well, I'm going to weld two beads, so I better go suit up and take, you know, 30 minutes to go change clothes and whatever and come back and do those welds and then go change clothes again. There's a, there's a, there's a shot where, but it's the only shot we have of me. I made the hinge pin. I made this big 16 inch hinge. So I made two hinges, 16 inches tall for each door. And I held it in place and I turned my head and JD welded it. And I'm like, that is not going to fly. But <laughs> I put it in there anyway, because this is what real guys do. This is, you know, real on the yeah. job stuff, you know? Yeah. But we'll see what they, they say ultimately. Uh, we jumped around so much. The, the video is a bit scattered and there's like a whole segment where I'm learning from JD. So it's almost like a montage in like an eighties film where like I'm learning how to dance or something. Cause <laughs> He shows the weld, then I do, and then we lift our helmets and we talk, and then like it cross dissolves to another joint, and then like three more, and it really looks like a montage, like in a, in like a movie where like the main character is like developing. It's like you could hear the Rocky music. It's like your Footloose moment. Yeah, yeah. And then you see the two of us dancing in the field. I would love to see at the end of that montage you like air punching out in the field, just like air punching. Like it, 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 it's so funny because at the end of that little thing, that's me. Well, then I'm welding alone. It's like it's like I'm, oh, nice. my sensei has set me free. It's really funny because I did it and I watched it back. I'm like, oh my god, I didn't even realize I did that, but it worked perfectly. Like I do my own weld by myself without training wheels. Nice. Good job. There's a there's a add that to the description. A YouTube channel out there where it, they take videos and they remove the music, and so you just hear like the actual sounds of like things move around. And that footloose scene is one of those those videos where yeah. there's no music, so it's just dancing and like, and then you hear yeah. shuffling on the ground. <laughs> I yeah, think I saw that. It's I so think good. I saw that. There's there's one of those of Mick Jagger and David Bowie that doing a song together. That one's one of the best. That was the one I first saw. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I have a question, a uh, uh, kind of metalworking logistics question. I was working on some stuff yesterday or a couple days ago and was just kind of like welding. And then it just got bad, not bad, but got worse. And I was like, wait a second, what happened? And I looked around and looked at the gas tank and I'm like, oh, I'm out of gas. So I ran out of gas while I was yeah. in the middle of the thing and yeah, I could see happens. the you know quality. How do you like... Do you just check all that stuff before you get started for a day or whatever? Like, how do you keep the, 
I don't I don't do enough metalworking to be aware of like well I need to make sure before I start this day that I check for gas and to make sure that I well check we the keep spool we always keep a few tanks around especially when you know like for instance we have this heavy welding uh, we did a lot of stick welding which doesn't provide gas because of, we were on location but when I when we have a bunch of tables or a lot of welding to do we absolutely like check all the tanks and then I have a service that will drop off so we leave the tanks out outside overnight and then in the morning they're there. The guy comes at like five in the morning, comes his truck and he does his rounds. So I just make sure that we have at least two tanks of C twenty five whenever we're going to do something that's a twenty five percent. Was it oxygen? I don't even know what the hell C means. What does C mean? I forgot. Carbon. Uh, it's CO two, right? Yeah, let's say uh, 25% CO2 and then 75% argon. Argon, yeah. And uh, so that's C25. Yeah, all the welders are going to get mad at me right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Once I know what I need and I know what the model number is, I completely forget what it is. I just know, okay, that's what I need. Uh, so that's how I retain information. I, I My brain is like a hard drive. It like, deletes stuff that isn't necessary. So the makeup <laughs> of it isn't necessarily <laughs> as important as the model number. So C25. Right. Okay. Anyway, well, so I just I make sure we have a you know half a tank or a full tank or one on the one in the wings. It's real important. So I'll do that. Then I'll just get a second tank to make sure I have. You know, when one runs out, then I can take. I've got a month <laughs> to get that one replaced. It's well, that's it because yeah, it's really important just to have two tanks. Just always have one in the wings because oh. imagine you really need to finish something, and you're on a tight deadline, and, that, and that's when you run out of gas. Is when you need it the most. Yeah. Because you're using and using and using, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I need a new tank yeah. of gas, and it's 9 o'clock at night, and i got to wait till tomorrow, and I have to submit the video at you know 1 a.m. Yeah. It was funny because I got that, um, that new MIG welder a while back, and ever since I got that, I've been a lot more gung-ho about welding because like it actually does what it's supposed to do now and makes it enjoyable. And like now I'm like, oh, yeah, I could just go weld that. That's no big deal. And so I do it a lot more, and I'm a little more just like – you know, just go with it. And I think I've gone through the gas faster than I did before because it used to be like, oh man, I got to go MIG weld. Ugh, like this is a bad experience. Right, now now it's probably more rewarding. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm going to continue to go through it faster, I suppose. So anyway, um, yeah. Always have an extra tank of gas. It's the same thing with the barbecuing. You got to have, you got to have two propane (laughs) tanks. Yeah. Well, I should have just thought of that because I mean, I do that with a lot of other stuff. You know, just like I always have multiple batteries for every camera so that there's one on the charger. I do the same thing for drills and stuff. I've always got stuff on the charger and on the tool so I can just swap out one for one and keep moving and, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, it's, that's it. It's the same thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's another piece of, I'm popping my piece. I'm sorry. It's another piece of the equipment that you need to have on deck. Yeah. Just like a battery. Just like, you know, box of screws or anything. It's just another one of those consumables you got to keep nearby. Yep. Cool. David, what have you been up to? Uh, this week? Pocket hole. <laughs> just <laughs> ra- pocket hole and random boards together. And uh, we're just going nice. to make a big montage out of it. Slow motion. Yes. Oh, dude, you should totally do that. <laughs> you should totally do that. Uh, the problem is when you mention something on the podcast, people will, will hold you to it. It's uh, That's true. Yeah. So I guess I have to do that now. No, um, we started the Apple boxes last week and we never finished them because apparently I'm really bad at math. And I went to go get the, I got the exact amount of wood that I needed and it turned out to be not enough wood. And so we only got so far and we, we ended that and, and um, just kind of cleaned up the shop. So this week we're going to finish, finish up the Apple boxes and that video should be out the same day this podcast comes out. And, uh, Sweet. Yeah. Um, so, and then uh, last week you s- saw me release the, the the table base video, and this table, I'm I'm really not emotionally attached to most of my projects, but this table, I walk past it multiple times every day, and I absolutely love it. It's just like we've had this empty dining room for. Uh, for a year since we moved in here now there's finally a, a kitchen table in there and it's one of those projects that's kind of like re-energized me and like i can't wait to go finish the next project that's cool sweet yeah that's good that's nice to have those yeah that kind of give you a little re-oomph yes for sure 
No, it's nice. It's nice to have those projects. Like I, I had the experience this week with the doors when they worked and they actually didn't fall off and didn't <laughs> droop. I was like, wow. You know, if if I had all those problems, I would not be interested in running out there to look at them and review those problems. But they work well. They close well. This is a very satisfying chunk when you lock the lock. Mm-hmm. And so I've been playing. Like it was, I was even out there late last night. I had to go get the camera battery, but I was playing with the doors, just you know, alone at midnight, <laughs> and. <laughs> It's that, that feeling like that's the, you know, and then also knowing all the mental stress I put on myself to get there and that's all behind me now. And it's nice to get an accomplishment like that. Like you, every time you walk past that table, you're like, wow, I'm mm. happy that I did that. And I'm happy it worked. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I can just see you standing out in the woods at midnight by yourself, just like open and closing the door. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly ah, what I was doing. Ah. <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. So I've been a couple of weeks ahead. I've been, I took last week off, didn't put out a video to try to give myself some space, you know, um, which is kind of interesting. Like I went on vacation a couple of weeks ago and that ate up the lead that I had. And so I figured, well, I'll take a week off to try to build the lead back up and just not be pressured about putting out a video, you know. Um, but ever since I got back from vacation, like I haven't gotten – like the rhythm back. Do you guys ever do that? Like, do you ever take a little yes. bit off and then just like, they can't get the rhythm back? Just this summer for, uh, I didn't put out a video for three weeks. And so we could work on house projects. And, and then um, I, I, I was kind of waiting for the new camera person to start to help me get back in that rhythm. And it's been, it's been a little difficult. Like I, I feel there's a lot of, I feel like I'm not motivated. This table, getting the table done definitely helps, but I think I completely understand what you're feeling after just taking three weeks off. I'm like, it's almost like I forgot how to, how to work. Hmm. It's, well, the thing that's weird is I feel like I'm still working, you know, like I, my process is the same. I've still got these ideas that I was already planning toward and stuff. I've been doing work, but it just feels like my days are kind of like, I don't know. It's not that they're not productive, but it's like nothing's getting done. Nothing's getting finished. Nothing's, I just, I haven't quite settled back into like, okay, here's how I start to get a lot done again and be really productive. Part of it is, I guess the kids are still out of school and they're about to start back next week. And that will make the days a little more consistent and stuff too. But it's just been weird, you know, like, Nothing's bad, nothing's wrong. Stuff's just a little loose and a little strange. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I feel that quite a bit, especially on a Monday. And what I do is I just say, okay, by one, I, I've said this a hundred times, by one, this has to be done. And I visualize it done in my mind. Like I know I, I made this full table for a client and I left one aspect out of the drawing because it was just literally a pencil sketch on like graph paper they sent me by, you know, not a very well-skilled artist. So I'm like, okay, cool. I could, they like, you know, do what you want. Just whip it up from that. And I whipped it up and these two little lines in the drawing, I just didn't even notice them. They're like, oh, we need the footrest. You left it out of, the, I'm like, what are you, you don't even know what you're talking about. I went back and looked at the drawing. I'm like, oh, those two little lightly drawn pencil lines I left out because they didn't even seem to be part of the drawing. Anyway, so that's something I have to do the first thing this morning because I got to show them a finished product with the part that they drew on the drawing. Mm. So that I know that has to get done by like noon. So that's one of the first things I got to jump on. Well, one o'clock because they're expecting to see drawings. And then I got to jump on. I, by the time this airs, I will have to have made three three canoe paddles because next Whoa. Saturday I'm going to be at the Filson store in New York. And I haven't announced it yet, but I'll announce it sometime this week. But you will have already heard it. So it's going to literally be tomorrow, the day this podcast airs. So I have to learn how to make a paddle. So like I know like I have to like compartmentalize all these little tasks and just like set a time and say that has to be done by then. Hmm. And then once it gets behind you, all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I'm not really getting things going. And you look at your list and you go, oh wow, I've gotten three of the major five things off my list. You know, when you just look at them and focus just on those particular tasks and the and the deadline that you set for those. So yeah, you just gotta like you just gotta compartmentalize and say, okay, nothing else matters until one o'clock that this is done. And then, then that's like a chunk off the list. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm also trying to get in the habit of, um, like I, I see that 
and this is something that's always happened with me. I see that I will randomly sit down at the computer and start looking at email or start doing whatever. And then just like an hour is gone, you know? Yeah. And so I'm trying to start setting timers for myself. So if I sit down to look at email, like I'll set a five minute timer and then that's when the five minutes is up, I'm done with email just to walk away and I'll come back and do another five minutes later. But I think I'll just get kind of stuck somewhere and I know there's a bunch to go through or I know there's a bunch of people waiting on me to respond about this thing and that thing. I've got a bunch of people asking me to be on podcast right now and like do little video things for their videos, which is not a bad thing, but like those add up a lot. And I totally understand if somebody's trying to create a show or a video, then and they want people to be involved. Their thing only works if people will be involved. But like, I don't know. I have a bunch of those, and they all take little bits of time together. So I'm trying to figure out ways to to stop myself from just getting sucked into like this area and not really being productive, but doing things. And that happens a lot. So I'm st- I'm trying to start with some timers. Anyway, I don't know how I got all to all this. I, I made a fire pit. <laughs> uh, I just I, I I'm not I've never done the timer technique. Is it working for you right now? And um, will it last? No. no. I okay. d- no, <laughs> it's not working yet, but I think it's a habit to get into. I think the the only times I've done it so far uh, is with email, and I'll do a five-minute timer, and then I get to that five minutes, I'm like, I, that's like one email or two uh-huh. emails. That's like not, you know, so then I'll add another, another five-minute timer. I guess the good thing about that is you're at least aware of how much a single email or a single conversation or a single whatever takes yeah. when you have a reference of time. And so maybe that will help, you know, long term as I start to go like, man, I had to like extend that timer 10 times today to get through what I think is reasonable. And that gives you a pretty good clue as to how much time you're actually spending on the stuff. So I just want to it's a habit I want to try to get into and also try to get into the habit of not extending the timer. And just when it's over, it's over. Like Mm -hmm. instead of five minutes, I'll do 15 next time. But that's the cap, you know, get up and walk away. So. I don't know. It's a it's an experiment at this point. But I just I have seen myself waste a lot of not waste, but spend a lot of time that I wasn't planning on spending in certain places. And that eats into your day. It eats into all the time you have to put towards the stuff that you actually want to get done. And, you know, so I'm just trying to be a little more conscious of that. Um, But a few weeks ago, the video that's coming out this week, a few weeks ago, I made a fire pit, which is super simple stacking rocks together it's nothing complex at all um but i also made i wanted to have a little grill surface to put across the top of it so i made a grill surface that looks like a tie fighter so it looks like (laughs) uh, darth vader's tie fighter with like the kind of angled wings so they sit they become the rests on the fire pit and then there's a center grill that goes across that and it's really simple i mean it's it's not complicated either so I have a feeling I will get some stuff for the video being like, wow, that was useless you, or easy or whatever. <clears throat> but, man, we've used it a bunch of times already, and it's awesome. So I have a, a video idea for the plasma cutter, and my plasma cutter hasn't been set up this year because of the construction. But something I've been wanting to do, we got this big, giant fire pit in my backyard. It came with the house, so I don't. everyone asked me where it came from. I have no idea. And this big, it's like almost one-and-a-half-inch thick steel. It's like a big pot that would be at a smelting facility. And what I've been wanting to do, it's about 40 inches across. I want to make a plasma cut, like three inch thick plate that takes up like maybe six inches of the edge of the fire pit so that we can grill and cook on the edge of the fire pit when we're not burning MDF and garbage. We're just burning natural wood. (laughs) (laughs) And for s'mores, Mm, everybody (laughs) everybody always wants to do s'mores. And we figured out the best way to do s'mores is to just literally set it on the edge of the pit because there's enough radiant heat just to do because people always just stick it straight in the fire and everything melts and drips off a stick. So that was the other reason I wanted to do like a little. So it's a, I'm going to do like two half moons or two half circles, plasma cut, and they'll, they'll rest on the edge of the fire pit. So that's something I've been wanting to do. Just reminded me. The that's, reason I haven't done it sooner is because it's literally me setting up a file, cutting it, taking it, and putting it on the fire. And that's yeah. a one-minute video, which maybe I'll just make a one-minute video because that's how long it'll take. Well, it's funny because last night I had some friends over and we watched uh, two families, like our family and another family, and we watched the Star Wars movie because all the kids like Star Wars, me and the dad like Star Wars, whatever. 
And so we went outside and we were looking at Whatever, the fire don't pit. ask. <laughs> and we were looking at the fire pit and I was showing him the, the TIE fighter thing. And he said, you should go hang out with Jimmy and use his plasma cutter to oh, cut out funny. a custom grill surface that puts the shape of the TIE fighters into a burger, like as you grill right. them. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's such a good idea. It's really funny that you said that. There you go. The simple, it's sometimes it's not about the complexity of the project. It's about this is a simple idea, and maybe this inspires you to go out and try something similar. So, you know, yeah. I I also worry about some of the videos being too simple. I'm like that's that's only going to take an hour to make. It's so simple. But then a lot of times those are the ones that people are like, that was great. That just triggered this idea to start something new. So, yeah, that's very true. Back. Um. I, yeah, that's a good point. I've heard that as well. Like some of the stuff that I think is maybe has, even has been overdone, you know, like it's it's too simple or a lot of other people have done it and I'm just kind of doing my version of it. It's maybe not even that unique or whatever. It, I do forget that people watch different things at different points within their mm-hmm. journey of making stuff or whatever. So, you know, this week somebody may stumble across a video from two years ago, but it, it is the thing that they needed to get to the next step of whatever, or the first step, you know, and then tomorrow somebody could be starting their journey and running, run into the same video. You know, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of different time overlap things because our content goes out and it stays there and gets, almost gets passed through generations of makers. Generations is maybe the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like cycles yeah. of, there's people. there's also people want to see your take on it or uh maybe some of those older videos are a little bit longer and you if you can condense some of that information into something that's more digestible like a quick little little video people appreciate them a lot more because it solves a problem and when you're when you have a problem that needs solved you want the quickest way to intake that information as possible yeah, that's a good so, point. A nice short video. You know how many out. times you reminded me of a funny scene? Mm. Like I could only imagine like what we all individually go through. There's been so many times where I like I need to do one move on fusion. So I'm like, yep. how to, you know, extrude the letter S. So I Google it and then this guy starts, hey, uh, I click it off. I'm like, no. <laughs> well, when, welcome to fusion. Click it off, go to another one. I just want somebody to go boom. Yeah. You want to extrude this letter? This is how you do it. Hmm. How to extrude into a surface or how to project. That's usually fusion that I'm always like, and it's like, hello, welcome to fusion. <laughs> yeah. like, click, next, click, next, go to Lars, go to this one, go to that one. Click, 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 click. I have this, this box. And then joint. I end up figuring it out myself. I have, I have this expensive box joint jig and the video on how to use it is 30 minutes long. And I'm like, I need to make a, five minute video that I can, because I have to go refresh myself every time I go to use it. Cause it's kind of a complicated mm-hmm. setup and I'm like skipping through the video and I'll skip too far or the playhead's really hard to move to get to the right spot. I'm like, I just need to go <laughs> and remake this video and put it out there so I can reference it every time. I need it. That's, <laughs> That's a good funny. idea. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that whole thing is the reason I'm doing the bits videos. That's not to put a plug here. I'm not trying to do that, but that's like the exact reason was to take, research around a small subject and condense it down to like, here's the things you might want to know about this thing. Now go, you now you have that in your pocket and you can go use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was playing a, a card game with uh, my son and some of his friends yesterday and it's called Bears versus Babies. It's awesome. It's a really <laughs> fun and goofy game. But they it came with a uh, fold out piece of paper with all the instructions on it and it says right on the front, don't read this. It says, like, you will learn the game faster if you go watch this video. And they have a, a link to a, a video that explains how to play in a conversational way rather than a step one, step two, step three kind of way. And that was really interesting to see. And it did work. Like, the four of us learned how to play this game in just maybe three minutes, two or three minutes, you know. Um, but that's kind of an interesting approach where you have this one big, long, descriptive you can lay it out on a table and you can pass it around and everybody can look at the instructions or, you know, use the medium that actually works better to teach a bunch of people at once. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, do you guys want to do some questions? We have questions from Twitter. Might, might as well since we're all here. Yeah. I mean, 
we all showed up. Got nothing else to do. <laughs> I, I asked yesterday on Twitter for some topics, and we got some really good ones. Not that we don't always get good ones, but I tried to say in the question, like, yeah, give us some new things that we've never talked about. Because we've talked about a lot of stuff in 178 episodes. We're getting old. And uh, we are getting old. And so we got some really good ones. And I don't really know where to start, but I screenshotted. Screenshotted? That works. Yeah. Um, a bunch of them. There's some pretty funny ones, too. Uh, this one's pretty good. This is from Steven. Uh, what one personality trait is the greatest predictor precursor of success, motivation, organization, persistence, enthusiasm? Uh, sorry, I strung those together. Precursor of success. Hmm. Some some of the options are motivation, organization, persistence, enthusiasm, yeah. etc. Lack of fear. Ooh. Ooh. Good answer. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It's um, I think it's motivation. Um, motivation helps you get up in the morning and makes you excited about doing a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I did not read. I, I, I did not read any of these questions, so that I'm taking them in as you're as you're reading them, and so I'm, there's like lots of yeah. thoughts going through my brain right now. But motivation. I would. Like I would fear. say like motivation. I, lack of fear. I almost disagree with. I think. Um, I think fear can be a fantastic motivator towards success, because I think if there's no, if you don't have fear of of something, then you probably don't realize the consequence and the risk involved. And when you do un- understand the consequence and risk, then you have a better idea of like whether it's worthwhile, like how motivated you are to mm-hmm. actually get there, or if you know that you need to run the other direction. So I think fear is actually a good thing, but how you deal with that fear, maybe that's what you yeah. mean. But how you deal a with that personal experience, yeah. Uh, the personal experience that comes to mind is I, I, I had a partner for a while back, talking in the 90s, and we all invested thousands of dollars towards this project we were working on. I'm sure he never listens to this, so I don't want to call him out by name. I also don't want to isolate exactly what we did so he doesn't accidentally hear this and then maybe think I'm talking about him. But we all invested thousands of dollars, (laughs) and we were like a month in, and he said, when do I get my money back? When am I going to get my money back? How much? Like, And we're literally manufacturing products, and we're on like a six-month development cycle and then like an 18-month shipping cycle. And he didn't seem to understand any of that even though we've had hundreds of meetings leading up to that moment. And he just wanted, he just kept saying, I want my money back. When do I get my money back? I've, I've invested my time. I invested by this. I, you know, I can't afford to do this. And so that he just didn't understand ultimately like the risks involved and he was afraid he was going to go broke. So that was kind of one of the first things I thought of when I said fear, because he was constantly and me and there was four partners in all me and the other two partners said, Let's just give him his money back. So we all went in our own personal bank accounts, gave him his money back and said, okay, you'll get a licensing fee for what you've contributed till now. That was it. And he was just cut completely out. And we all remained friends, but that's how we had to handle it because right away he he was basically becoming slightly disruptive. It was like, he was like the character in Goodfellas. The, remember the one character that kept wanting his money, Maury? Oh, kept yeah, saying, yeah, when, yeah. when do I get my money? When do I get my money? Yeah. And uh, we had to kill him and in a car. <laughs> wow. Uh, hmm. No, no. So we ended up just paying him back and just and just setting him free uh, because he became a distraction. Hmm. When but. when I think of fear, I think there's a few ways to interpret fear. But when I think of it, um, I'm thinking of fear of failure. So that lack of um, fearing about failing, I think, definitely helps because hmm. uh, it's the uh, We've all failed at something, and it's just made us better. It's made us more more motivated. Yeah. I think these are all kind of the same thing. Like, I think I, I'm going to say the same thing you just said, but in a different way. Um, maybe just being able to roll with the punches and being able to adjust your perspective and like your mo- like your direction. Because if something is failing, being able to like be, you know, to pivot, and say like, okay, well, now I got to do this to succeed, or now I got to do this to move the needle a little bit further. I think it's kind of the same thing as not being afraid to fail. You know, it's just yeah. being willing to work around. But being flexible has a huge uh, part to play. I think in success of any kind, of forward momentum of any kind, because there's 
no matter what you're doing, there's always going to be a bunch of stuff that you can't control that's going to just show up within your endeavor, within your relationship, whatever. And if you, when those things come at you, if you just feel like, well, I can't control that, so I must be done, you're not going to get very far. But being able and willing to say like, okay, this is something out of my control, but it's something that I am bound to deal with now. How do I deal with it and how do I get past it and how do I move on to the next thing? I think that's probably, and that's problem solving. I mean, that's one way to look at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's yep. a pretty big thing. That's a good question. It is a good question. Because it still got me thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can always yeah. come back to it if you get... I think, uh, yeah, problem solving is absolutely a huge part of it. And just, uh, you know, not not panicking. I guess it's mm. the same thing as, you know, not being afraid, but not panicking and knowing that every problem is going to be solved. To what degree? That's the type of flexibility you need to have, but every problem will be solved and managing the expectations of your partners and and customers is really important, you know, so. I think... Just, uh, uh, yeah. Being patient too. Yeah, that that not panicking thing. That's a that's a skill to learn because a lot of times you want to have that knee jerk reaction to something, and that that first reaction might not always be the best. If you can learn to just step back for a second and give it some time to think about it, uh, that's something I've gotten better at over the years. Hmm. Yep. We're gonna move on to the next one. Yeah. Whose pet Who's, bird is that? Uh, is my bird? window is open and there's a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a bird feeder right out the window. <laughs> nice. All right. So the next one here. <laughs> okay. This is from Corey Lewis. What's up, Corey? Uh, is there anything you guys don't like doing but is necessary other than sanding? Why don't you like it? And is there a better way to, a way to make it better? There's a lot of things I don't like to do. Uh, is that, uh, I guess do, he means in the shop. Okay. In the shop. Um. Yeah, I really don't like sanding, and <laughs> I don't mind. Cl- sand- I just hate cleaning up. I just I can't stand cleaning up. Uh, I hate having to clean. Like I work all day long in the shop is a complete disaster. And then when I leave, I try and put away the major things. So in the morning, it's not so bad. And Brett, of course, is a huge help there. Brett and Brandon also help clean up. But I, I just that's the worst. Is organizing. It's just something I'm getting worse at as I get older. I really dislike working with like a full sheet of plywood, making those first couple cuts to break it down. It's just, it's so difficult. It, there's, there's no room to move the thing around or, okay, this is too big to cut on a table saw. I got to get out some insulation foam so I don't cut my bench and get out a circular saw to break things down. It just feels like this is going to take a half a day just to break this sheet of plywood down. So I hate working with big pieces of wood, at least in, in the way my shop is set up. It's, there's not a lot of room for that. Yeah. I, I've i been thinking about this a lot recently, and this is kind of an answer and kind of not. It's just been on my mind. I dislike the maintenance of normal life. <laughs> <laughs> I find it so hard to make appointments to go get my hair cut and to go to the dentist and to go to the doctor and to get the i don't know like the tires rotated on the car and like the little stuff that i'm with you 100 percent. i let it, i just canceled the dentist appointment the other day because i just like i can't go i mean it's nothing urgent i just it was a checkup i said i can't do it i got so many other things to do it's, i know exactly what you're saying it's just i don't know like i'm not motivated in any way to do that maintenance stuff mm-hmm. i should be like i'm going to the doctor you know everything is a half a day hurting. Yeah, yeah, oh. that's the thing. Like, I'm going to the doctor today because my stomach's been hurting for a week, and it's fine. It's no big deal. But I've been putting that off, and my wife had to make the appointment for me because I was just <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll call, you know. And she called, or she came down this morning. She was like, you have an appointment today. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. But, yeah, you're right. It's a half a day. It's like I'm going to go to a 1 o'clock appointment, which means I will get home at 4, maybe, you know. And that's just hard to, like, actively put into a day that I know is going to disrupt a huge amount, you know. And, yeah, you're right. It's, like, not a big deal. It's haircut can wait another week, you know, but I need a haircut right now, and I just haven't called the lady to do the thing. And, yeah. Can can I I, I, suggest a project idea for you? 
Can you <laughs> sure. make a homemade Flowbee? Do you remember the Flowbee? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, can you <laughs> make one with like an adjustable I, if, clip? You can... Um, I wouldn't try it on me, but well, uh, what about Josh? Maybe I do have kids. Oh, I could try it on them. Okay, yeah, all right. I'm just trying think, to make honestly, your life better, and your yeah, channel. I appreciate better. that. <laughs> I pre- oh yeah, I'm sure that would do wonders for the channel. No, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing that I have a hard time with, the thing I don't like about like just day to day stuff, is honestly trying to fit in that maintenance type stuff. And then there's also some things like that in the shop, like you know, going to pick up gas for the. Well, I was going to say getting gas for the welders. Honestly, Josh is doing that right now while I'm recording, which is fantastic. And it's awesome to have somebody that's willing to help with stuff like that, because it would probably take me two weeks to just be like, Ugh. in fact, OK, we talked about this on the other podcast that he and I do. I don't like um, it sounds weird. I don't really like going places that I have never been before just because I, know, I don't know what to expect. And it's like kind of a hassle. No, and I'm not talking like like you know Hawaii or anything I mean like there's a metalworking play uh, uh, like a metal yard here that I've never been to but we needed steel for the fire pit and so it was like well I just need to go to the steel yard and get the steel but I kept in my mind just being like well I don't know the guys there like I don't know how long it's gonna take how big of a hassle it's gonna be I don't know exactly where it is I gotta look it up and I gotta drive over there and I gotta like you know it's just like stupid stuff that's not really a big deal that I should just get over and move on and get it done and so finally uh, last week we got to a point where I couldn't put it off anymore had to go get the steel and we were talking about this on the way like I was saying like how ridiculous it is that I just put things like that off but you know because it's not a big deal and we go there (laughs) and we go into the office and there's one dude and he just goes like, hey, what can I help you with? And I told him, and he said, okay, cool. And he got on his radio, and he called the shop. He said, all right, pull around the corner, and they'll, you know, I paid for it. Pull around the corner, and they'll give it to you. And on the wall, there was a, a big panel of everything that they sell, a little two-inch section, three-inch section of every type of metal. And so you, have, you walk in there, and you point, say, I want this much of that thing. <laughs> And he writes it down and says as few words as possible to you. He hands you a bill. You pay the bill. And then you leave. And then you go outside. And the dudes walk out with your metal and stick it in your truck and don't say a single word to you. And they leave. And you built that up. <laughs> and I was like, this was the best thing ever. Like, I got to go to people that that don't want to talk to me. I got to go get the thing I need. And I was in and out of there in five minutes. I mean, it took no time at all. And it was just so like, what are those realization moments where I'm like, man, I've like built this up in my head to to be, not that it was going to be bad, but it was just more of a pain or more of a hassle. It was going to take longer than it actually did. And I just felt, I don't know, it was just like one of those things. And I've said this before, like you put something off and the longer you put it off, the bigger of a deal it becomes in your head, which means you continue to push it off longer and it's just balloons. I did the same exact thing with the doors, with the steel from the doors. Same exact thing. I was afraid. Yeah. Well, I, I have a rapport with these guys, but I was afraid because I, I was afraid how much it was going to cost me. And, and I called up and I, I thought the material came in 24 pieces, which means I can cut it directly in half and to do the math because I need this much, but this many feet. Anyway, I was on the phone with the guy for five minutes. He solved all my problems and says, we'll just send you 12 foot pieces. Don't worry. We'll cut them already. And they, they did it. And it was, it came the next day. Yeah. It was a lot less than I thought, but you know, I do, I do that all the time too. You build up these little hurdles and the hurdles just become, you just, the best to just kind of put those fires out as immediately as you can. I totally agree. Yeah. Cause I, I do that with, I've done that historically with the house. Like if there's a, I don't know, a doorknob that's like a little, it needs to be tightened. Like that's a good one because that happens all the time. There's a doorknob <laughs> yeah. that's loose. And if you turn it, you have to jiggle it to get the thing to pull out. And I'm like, ah, I gotta take, I gotta fix that doorknob. And I don't fix it for a month until it completely falls off one of these days. Someone's locked in a room. <laughs> and then I go in and it takes two seconds to tighten the thing and be done with it. I'm like, why didn't I just tighten it a month ago? I would have had it out of my brain. It wouldn't have been a thing that was sitting on my shoulder for a month going like, you need to do this. You need to make a second to go do this thing. Like the sooner I get those things out of my way, like it, it opens up 
like mental capacity to do something else and you don't feel like you have this stuff like this monkey on your back just like hanging around and oh. it was a it was a lesson learned with the steel yard and i did the exact same thing with a steel yard in savannah when we lived there i put it off forever and i when i finally went there they were super fast and easy because they don't want to talk to you Right? They don't want to like be friends <laughs> yeah. with you and find out what you're working on. They don't care. They want to sell steel and they want you out of there so that they can deal with a company that sells that buys more, you know? They've dealt with people that know nothing. Can I get like a one inch I need like a pin for my hinge and get out. Get out. <laughs> That's my but I did fear, the same thing there. Like I'm too small of a customer that Oh, yeah. Well, I think, honestly, I think they're more motivated to, like, they still want to sell it to you, but they want to get you through. They want mm-hmm. to move you out of the way, you know, yeah. which maybe even makes it better. Um, but in Savannah, I went to the shop, and as soon as I got into the backyard, you know, the steel yard where you go see all the steel, I was like, this place is amazing. <laughs> like, there's, like, gantry cranes everywhere, and there's just piles of steel, and these gnarled dudes who know exactly what they're doing, and I don't, you know. It was cool. <laughs> and I put it off for so long. You remind me, it's funny when you do go to the steel yard or, or the hardwood yard. You know, we all know there's a fear of both of those places. And there's a guy, like two people in front of you. They're like, do you sell plywood? You know, and you just like, <laughs> you and the, like, everybody in the office and like three people online all roll their eyes. They're like, oh my God, this guy's going to suck up another 20 minutes of everyone's life. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like when the elderly lady in front of you at the grocery line brings, takes out her checkbook. Oh, <laughs> oh <is>. my God. <laughs> I was in the grocery store once in the Lower East Side. Now, for some reason, I was in a rush. I always am. And there was a woman in front of me that was discussing the price. And she had like three things, like, you know, bag of sauerkraut, some other thing. And I, and I just said to the cashier, I said, I'll pay for her stuff. And the woman turned to me and goes, what? why would you pay for my stuff? I don't know you. And I was like, oh, my God, I just made the biggest mistake of my life. It turned into a whole conversation of like, why would a stranger pay for my stuff? I said, because it's $3 and those $3 is not a big deal to me. It's obviously a big deal to you. And I have to go somewhere and you're holding me up. And I explained that all to her. And she's like, I'm not going to let you pay for me. Why would I do like, I said, And I just said, okay, I'll shut up. Like I had to get out of it as fast as I had to click yeah. the like the backup button or the control Z. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Totally made a mistake by trying to. I was just like, oh, whatever, just include it in mine. And she looked at me like, I think she thought I was going to try and pick her up. She was like, what do I have to give you now that you're paying? I was like, nothing. <laughs> my time. That's all I want from you is my time. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty good. That's Sometimes that works. I've done it. Sometimes it works. It doesn't always work. That time yeah, I feel like people would take that and like be offended by that in some weird way. Yeah. I don't know you. Why would I let you pay for my stuff? I said, because you're wasting my life. (laughs) Well, when you say it like that, of course they're not going (laughs) to. Oh, I am? How am I doing that? That's funny. All right. You guys got anything else on that one? I don't even remember what the Uh, Yeah, I forgot what the question was. was. So let's just move on. Anyway. All right. Let's see. Uh, We got another one here. Oh, this is kind of good. Yeah, we were talking about this before. Um, this is from Kevin Moyer. To what extent does audience feedback affect what you do and how you do it? Hmm. This could probably be an entire episode on its own. But I know that you were talking the other day, David, on Twitter about your shop projects. Do you want to explain yeah. that? So is it relevant here? Yeah, uh, I, th- I think so. I, I keep track. Like YouTube does not provide you this particular stat. So I keep track of how many views a video gets in the first 28 days. And then I put that into a spreadsheet. And then, so over time I can see um, what videos do well right away. Cause, and the reason I have that 28 days as that, as that parameter is because over time, some videos might do well in search. And so um, they'll take off later in life. And so that first 28 days kind of tells me what my audience watches. And um, the, out of over the last two years, my top 10 videos, six of those top 10 videos were shop projects, either a shop tour or a bench or a, a table or, or whatever, but they were all shop projects. And, um, I, it's, they don't, I'm not motivated to make a shop project because it's a utilitarian thing where I just need this thing done so I can make the other things. And so it was slightly disappointing um, and that's not the right word, but 
it was slightly disappointing to see that people prefer the shop projects over the things that I designed. Cause I'm not really proud of the pro of those shop projects. I'm, I like the, the design stuff. I like showing my creativity there. And, um, so how does that influence what I do? Well, I, I know, um, I, I am influenced by what people watch because that affects, it has a direct effect on my, on my business. Making what I want to make is still the most important thing to me, but I need to understand what my audience likes and what they react to. Uh, I put out a pencil holder video, um, like six weeks ago and nobody watched it. I'm like, okay, I understand that people don't, don't want that. So I know in the future to not make either find a different angle on that type of project or to not do that. And then there are people um, who will say, find what people like about your channel and double down on that. So if I really wanted to grow really fast, or if I really wanted to get a lot of numbers to get to make all that AdSense money or to please the sponsor, I would definitely do more shop projects. So in a way it does influence, but it also does not. There's a balance there. Uh, I know I'm probably not going to do another uh, video game ad. Oh, <laughs> I'll boy. Say that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I lost half my audience this week. That was a that was a difficult one. Um, yeah, so I'm probably not going to do that. I, I I the only reason I said yes is because they kind of pushed me and said, "Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on." I was like, "I'll do it under these conditions," and they agreed to them. But then when they did the video, we had a lot of editing to do, and it didn't come out quite the way I expected. But I'm probably going to stay away from products that don't appeal to my audience. So, which is kind I thought of I was going to I thought I was going to try and do something a little bit more clever and interesting, but ultimately it didn't come out that way and that's 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 uh it was difficult. I I mean, I actually was it was a lot of going back and forth for them to approve it and not approve it. I had two videos ready to go, one with the ad and one without because if they didn't approve it, I was just going to go straight away without it. But, you know, that's a direct result of my audience and and I apologize to all of you. I don't think you should apologize. I think it's a learning thing. And I mean, yeah. but, but I don't think you, I don't think any of us should apologize for, for trying things out. Now, if you yeah, continue no, to do that and people like spoke out and like over and over and said, we don't like this and you kept doing it. I mean, that's mm -hmm. whatever. But yeah. I, I don't think any of us, you know, this is uh, making a living at this and trying to figure out ways to do it that don't offend and that, that enrich the people that are watching. All that stuff is stuff we're trying to figure out all the time. So I don't think any of us should apologize for trying things. Mm -hmm. right, that's, that's understood. Good good point. As far as like the feedback, um, <clears throat> I work really hard to not let the feedback of the audience affect what I'm going to do, but I do take it into consideration uh, as to how I do it. Like I've... Hmm. So I have the goal, uh, one of my goals is to make sure that people, to show everybody everything, uh, every step so that they feel more empowered to do stuff on their own. Like I want them to see like, oh, there's no magic in building an X. There's no magic. I see all the things. Now I can start to learn those pieces if I wanted to build something like that. Or more importantly, if they want to build a Y instead of an X, they go, oh, well, that means there's probably no magic in Y, and so I can figure out all the stuff I need to make the thing that I want instead. That's more important to me. And so from a feedback perspective, a lot of times I will, I will explain something in a certain way or talk to a task in a certain level of detail, and then I can hear in the comments that I, I overspoke it. I, I went too far past, like, you know, like that maybe that's common knowledge. Or I didn't go deep enough into talking about like why this thing worked or what happened or what tool I used here or whatever. So a lot of the feedback is, you know, well, I didn't catch what you were doing here. Like I missed this part of it. And when you hear that several times, that's a pretty good indicator that like, oh, next time I use that tool, I should probably spend just a little bit more on explaining why I'm using this or what it does. And so like, um, like a good example is a biscuit joiner. I, I know what that is. I think when you see it used, it's pretty obvious what it is. But there were some questions, and one time I used it about like what what it was that like what did you just do that made you could stick two boards together? Like I don't I don't understand how the thing works. And so the next time I used it, I just 
took like a split second to show, but without it turned on, like if you push this thing, there's springs, you know, that make the bit come out and then this bit spins and it makes a slot. And I didn't get any of those comments on with that little five second explanation. And so I take the feedback from that, you know, to try to make it more to get my goal across to them. But I, like I said before, I try really hard not to say, I want to make this thing, but I don't know if people are going to like it. So maybe I shouldn't make it. Or what would people like? What kind of a project should I make? Because I, I don't, that's a bad habit that I don't want to get in. Well, that's a habit that I don't want to get into. Because I don't want to be chasing the whims of other people. Like I'm, I work for myself because I want to do what I want to do. I want to do it to enrich the the lives and the perspectives of the people that watch what I do, but I don't want to like just, hey, what do you guys want to see? Like, what what can I make that you will like? Because that it just seems like a fruitless <laughs> task, you know, like an endless kind of I want to please you thing. And I, I don't know, it's that's kind of an extreme way to look at it, and I know that's maybe not fair, but that's just a goal of mine is to like really separate those two things, taking feedback for the sake of improving the how, but not necessarily the what. Uh, yeah, I, I I view my channel as like people are voyeuristically watching my life. And obviously sometimes I make things to entertain and to interest that interest me. A lot of times I'm making real client work. So from the very beginning, it's always been just sort of like a voyeuristic, like, hey, look what I'm making today. And <clears throat> anytime I make knives, it gets lots of views. Anytime I make an axe, it gets lots of views. But I don't want it to become the axe and knife channel. Like my top five videos are all like weapons I've made. But I can just do that and I can basically become, you know, one of the knife maker channels. And I'm not even good at making knives, but those are the videos that perform the best. But I try and stick to just my, my voyeuristic lifestyle. Like, hey, I, this week I got to make doors for my, my barn. This is how I'm going to try and attempt to do them. And hey, I was successful this time. But I technically, if I was going to listen to my audience, I would be making hatchets and knives every week. And... I like the pace that in which I make hatchets and knives. To me, it's it's a nice even pace that I'm learning. You know, if I made it every week, I hate the smell of metal on me every time I do a big metal project. Like especially when you grind a knife, you gotta like literally take a shower the minute you get in the house, and when you take a shower, you just smell metal on you. So I like the life of like grinding. I hate grinding, especially when they take so long to grind. It's like I'll do it in spurts and then go away from it. But again, if, if I was going to listen to my audience, that's what I would be doing. And I would probably have a lot more views and a lot more subs. But I just do what, what comes to me in my, my naturally unfolding life. Yeah, I'm looking at my past videos from, from this year. And, and uh, I think I'm pretty proud of everything that I made. The, the influence just comes in. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm taking in, I'm getting feedback from like the, the style of video that I'm doing, but I'm I'm pretty happy with all the things. None of these projects that I'm looking at, I'm like, oh, the audience wants to see this particular thing. Um, Bob, do you remember what your response was uh, when I posted that that on Twitter? Uh, no, I remember that I responded, but I don't remember what so, I said. Uh, so basically, you know, I said, hey, my audience seems to like my shop projects the most, which... Uh, was kind of disappointing. And you said, well, maybe that's an indication that you should avoid shop projects and to take your, your audience on the, on the journey with you and, and kind of shape your audience into um, what, what you want to do. And I thought that was a, that was a great answer. And I was, I read that and I was like, man, Bob always has the, the best point of view on, on things. And it was a really positive way to look at it. And, um, but, and then after some thought, I'm like, yep, but I still have a couple shop projects coming up and uh, I'm still going to do them because I need to do them and um, people will get benefit out of them too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that like, that was kind of a half joking way to like, to say, well, you know, if, if people are like a thing that you're not really into doing, like just go the other direction, <laughs> go fully in the way that you want. And like, uh, you know, like we always say, the audience will come to you for the thing that you're making. And if that means, yeah, all the shop project people are like, man, he never does shop projects anymore, and they fall away. It's like you're you're filtering your audience. You know, you're you're getting it down to the people that are actually into the thing that you're gonna do, rather than 
like the people that just kind of came in through, you know, Project X and they're just kind of hanging around or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I was kind of joking there, but also I think it's really important to do the thing towards what you want. Like you always say, you want to be known, <clears throat> you know, as an artist and you want people to look at a thing and say like, there's a Pachuto. Mm-hmm. It's very unlikely, although I could be wrong. It's very unlikely that somebody's going to look at a miter saw station and be like, Hey, there's a Pachuto miter saw station. Right. Yeah. Although I, I would say there are some that people look at and say, there's a Bates, like there's a J Bates miter <laughs> saw station. So I <laughs> could be totally <laughs> off base. Yeah. But you know, like that's not the, necessarily the thing you would want to be known for, I assume. Uh, so, you know, pursue the stuff that you want to be, that gets you closer to your goal, whatever your goal is, you know. That's just my take. I do remember, though, when I said that, there were a couple of responses from other people that were counter to what I said, and they were fantastic points. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I don't remember what they said, but I remember reading them and going, oh, well, yeah, okay, totally. Like, I'm, I'm on board with those as well. Yeah, I think uh, some of those other people, um, they were responding with, like, some of us are just starting out, and this is a great way to dive into woodworking and then to take us on on that journey of, of design. So they need those shop projects there to understand. Um, it's a stepping stone to get you into doing what you, what you want. So all great advice. So yeah, I just love your, you have a really good way of putting things into, uh, 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 in, into words as I'm struggling to find the words, but you, you, you say things in a very elegant way that always gives me that. Aha. That's right. Hmm. You know, well, thank you. Always I good. appreciate that. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else on this topic? Mm. Anything else? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Let's just make that sound for another ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we, we started off the show with grunts and and noises. We yeah. should end the show with grunts and noises. <laughs> there you go. It's my noise. Quarter drop. <laughs> You're really good at that. Yeah. Wow. I'm I, flicking wish I, my cheek. I do wish we had video right now because Jimmy's like all up in the camera do, flicking his cheeks, <laughs> making that sound. All right. Well, um, we have a lot more questions. We'll go, we'll keep them on file and we can come back to because there's some, a bunch of other good ones I'd love to, to talk about too. Um, you guys want to figure out what you're going to recommend? Yeah. Talk oh my about God. Patreon. I forgot about this part of the show. Yep. It happens every single time. Uh, <laughs> big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Especially Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Michael Schubert, Chad from Mancrafting, Nick Ryan, Caleb Harris from You Can Make This Too, and Make Build Modify. Um, so I, I'm really grateful for all the support from them and from everybody else who supports us at any level. For the people that help us out on Patreon, we have a little after show. It's another 10, 15 minutes of us talking about secret stuff or venting or sometimes Jimmy has his pants on, you know stuff like that. And uh, that's all Patreon only. So if you're interested in that, go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. Um, I wanted to throw out before you guys mention anything, I am definitely going to Maker Faire in New York. And I hope people will go. The early bird tickets just ended that was actually yesterday when we were recording this. But you can still get tickets. Um, it's Maker Faire is always a really good time. The vibe at the New York show is a little bit different than the one on the West Coast. So, uh, you know, it's a different group of people, different interests and stuff. But there's always, like, cool hangouts and get-togethers, and it's just awesome. So I'll be there. I'll be doing a talk or two or three or whatever they put me on stage for. And, yeah. I'll be there. September, September 23rd, 24th. Yeah, Jimmy's going to be there, too. So, yeah, whatever. We should do a we should do a panel like you and I talking about. That's why I mean I know I know you're on the uh, advisory board. That's why I I let you know because I don't know who's in charge anymore. They always seem to rotate. So, so I'm letting you know because I know you're kind of currently up to date with everybody. Yeah. So yeah, also that I'm on the advisory board for the Maker Fair. Cool. What have you guys been watching? Uh, so I have to make new wedding rings this year. We retire our old rings and make new ones. And so doing a little research, research, I came across this channel called Tempest Rings. And this guy, it's wood and metal rings. And there's some techniques that I am definitely going to use in my next video. And they're just beautiful rings, 
awesome channel. Wish this guy had more more videos. So, and when it comes time to make my rings, I will definitely give him a shout out again because I am borrowing or stealing or however you want to look at it some of his techniques. <laughs> awesome. What you got, Jimmy? Um, did I mention JD last week? I know he was here when we were doing the podcast, but. Did I say go to his channel? Did I say that? I don't remember. I don't know. Let's just say it again either way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go to JD's channel and go to JD's Instagram. (laughs) Done. JD Brewer is my man and he really helped me out this week. So I wanted to just honor him and say thank you and go check him out. And his video style improves. He's really more about making things stick together with welding than he is about filmmaking, but he's improving his technique. And he always, always, always has a time-lapse camera on him, no matter what he's doing. So <laughs> it's like he just captures everything and then figures it out later. So the, like, it's funny. The whole time I'm working, I'm like, oh, like it'll be like three in the afternoon. Like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, that's been going all day. He's got like some kind of like long-term time-lapse camera that sucks up the whole day, which is cool. Mm-hmm. He's get everything covered. Awesome. Um, so for mine, it's I just want to talk about our buddy April Wilkerson. We all know oh, April. Yeah. We all love April. She's Killing just, it. she's just awesome. And like, she's it, going, she's going well. <laughs> like, I don't know. She has seven hundred and twenty thousand subscribers. I feel like she should have more because, because we've all known her when she first started YouTube. And I remember like how she, the first few videos she put out, she was really timid and like you could tell she was super uncomfortable. And she's had to because she's a woman in this space. She's had to put up with all sorts of garbage from all sorts of people. Um, but I think maybe because of that or whatever, she's super confident, she's strong, and she will take on any task and make amazing stuff. And every time she puts out a a new, like, insane, like, she built her giant shop, (laughs) like, literally (laughs) built it. (laughs) And now she's making this giant metal gate, which I think she just put the video out, and I haven't seen it yet, but I don't know. She's inspiring because she will not quit, and she is very tough, very talented, and uh, I just think more people should know about what she's up to. And I, I think I've seen several instances throughout the years where people, um, either you know, grown women or young girls, have responded to her in a way that they would never respond to any of us. And I think mm-hmm. that is fantastic. And so I, I just hope that you know she can do more of that and like inspiring women to to not be afraid of things and to try things and to be awesome. And uh, yeah, she's great. I just want people, more people to know about her. I was watching her build the gate and I was just like, just, <laughs> I'm struggling with moving the metal around. And I had JD in my pocket and he and I were moving these heavy, I say timbers, but you know, these long lengths of steel, they're heavy. A four inch by four inch by quarter inch piece of steel is, I don't know, a couple hundred pounds maybe. I wouldn't pick it up. And she's in there wrestling, swinging things around by herself. I'm like, just ask for help from somebody. It's not, <laughs> there's no shame in that. But she she really killed it, and she did a great job. Sweet. That's the gate, April's Gate project. April's Gate, yeah. I'll link it in the show notes. In case you ever don't see the show nuts, show, show nuts, show notes <laughs> there. That's YouTube. If you don't see the show nuts, that's because we don't have show nuts. We have show notes and they are at makingitpodcast.com. <laughs> anyway, you guys got anything else for this week? I think we're good. Uh, I'm going to be at the Filson store. As, as they say, I was on a Friday, Saturday. I'm going to be at the Filson store in New York on Great Jones Street. I don't know when yet. They're still going to give me the details. So you'll probably find out by now. If you're listening to the podcast, just go check my social media. I'll be at Filson showing how to make paddles, which I'm going to learn how to make this week. I've got a video on that. Check it out. (laughs) All right, cool. That's it for this week. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Later. Bye. Love you. Love you. Love you too.